You are tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown, the official podcast for the Atlanta Realtors. We're here to keep you updated with the latest trends, topics, and keep you in the know of our ever-changing Atlanta market. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hello and welcome back to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. I'm your host, Matt LaMarche today. Super excited about this episode. Um, I think bringing uh, this individual in is going to be really cool because it'll give you a better perspective whether you're a homeowner, you're a consumer, <laughs> investor, even a realtor here in Atlanta, um, I think this individual is going to add a ton of value today, but also is going to give you a unique, a unique perspective um, on kind of another area within our world uh, that we all depend on <laughs> and uh, in the past have had some tumultuous relationships with. Uh, but I think here more recently, it's been pretty good. Would you agree, Mark? Uh, yeah, I would think so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming in today. For those that don't know you, Mark, uh, just a quick little bio on who you are, where you came from, how long you've been in this world, um, what you do every single day and kind of how you work with agents. Thank you very much. And uh, of first off, I just want to thank, you know, all of you and the Atlanta Realtors uh, for having me here. Of course. This is pretty cool, man. You know, usually we're doing this, you know, via streaming online or anything. But, <laughs> it's nice to uh, be in person. Yeah, it's actually nice to be right here doing this. So, uh, but my name is Mark Skapinitz. I am a certified residential real estate appraiser here in the Atlanta metro area. I've been a certified appraiser now for uh, well, actually since 2007, but I've been appraising prior to that. I did all my training stuff. So, uh, I started my company here in the Atlanta Metro area in 2007. I also run a podcast, uh, called the contributory value podcast, although kind of taking a little break from that for just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, but as a real estate appraiser, like I said, I've been doing it for many, many years. Uh, I got certified, started my career in New Jersey. Uh, then I moved down to Florida for two years and then came here to Atlanta. So, uh, I, I love it. I mean, I just love being an appraiser. I, I love the aspects of it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really me in a nutshell. I mean, some of you out there might know me also as scap the appraiser, uh, cause I do run a blog and I run a website as well that talks all about appraising and, uh, you know, whatever kind of information that I can get out there to add value to people. Yeah. I love it. Well, and Today, I really wanted to kind of unpack a couple different perspectives because obviously there are consumers that listen to the podcast. There are agents, realtors that listen to the podcast. There's, um, you know, people that are in and around real estate, but really don't know the intricacies and the daily activities of agents and appraisers and lenders and insurance people and everything else. So, you know, trying to give everyone a, a more holistic approach as well as perspective on you know what you do every single day because I think it's very interesting number one but it also fits into our world as agents very closely obviously because especially over the last couple of years <laughs> values have been all over the place and I think even myself and a lot of agents would agree that you know we thought how homes and houses were not going to continue appreciating quite quite as quickly as they did and probably the house in your neighborhood that might have surprised you with what it sold for and what it appraised for and everything else so Kind of going back real, just real quick, and and the reason that we kind of set the stage here for your experience is because you're a little bit different than what you would normally find going through a lender, a broker that's hiring an appraiser to come out and, and appraise a home as part of a real estate transaction. So talk to us a little bit about the differences of a pre-market inspection and an appraisal process, because there are we're seeing a lot more inspections done pre-market. But I think now we're going to start to see more appraisals done pre-market. So talk to us a little bit of how does that process differ 
from a normal transaction where the house is under contract, you got seven days due diligence, you got a 10 day appraisal contingency maybe to get to get checked off. Uh, what's the differences there? Are there any differences? Well, I mean, you kind of you kind of started something here because there really is no difference in the appraisal process, whether it's for a pre-listing appraisal, uh, whether it's for uh, a divorce, whether it's for uh, lending purposes. I mean, the only difference is what we call the scope of work. Mm. You know, a scope of work is what I would define as, okay, am I doing this for a lender? Am I doing this for a pre-listing? Am I doing this for a divorce mm -hmm. litigation? It depends on what the purpose of that appraisal is. And I've seen it out there many times where people said, well, why are you asking about what the purpose of the appraisal is? Well, we need to know that, mm -hmm. you know, because it, that's going to define what my scope of work is and, and how I'm going to go about my process of, uh, of analyzing the market. I mean, we have things called retrospective appraisals where we have to go back in time and as of, of a certain effective date. So the process doesn't change mm -hmm. in appraising. It's the scope of work that changes. Sure. So when we're talking about a pre-listing appraisal, obviously – you're hiring me to come out to help determine the value of that property, you know, as of that time before you actually go to list it. Mm -hmm. uh, when a when a lender is ordering an appraisal, obviously we're doing it for the lender. So here's a big difference: a pre-listing appraisal is done for you, the consumer, or you, the agent. Right. Okay, it's in your name if you're paying for it, or it's in the consumer's name if they're paying for it. A lender appraisal, it's the property of the lender. Mm -hmm. They have to order it; it's in their name we have to follow certain guidelines. The next major aspect is for a lender appraisal, it's a federally mandated transaction, okay? Mm -hmm. This is a federal transaction that we have to deal with. So there's lots of laws and regulations. We have to follow what's called USPAP, Uniform Standards of Professional Appraisal Practice. So there's lots of regulations. There's a misnomer out there that, oh, appraisers aren't really regulated. <laughs> well, we are probably the highest regulated yeah. entity out there in the whole transaction. Mm -hmm. I think mortgage brokers and mortgage lenders are the second most. Uh, so we have a lot that we have to follow when we're doing lending appraisals. Now, on the private side, on the pre-listings, I still have to follow USPAP. I still sure. got to follow my ethics. I still got to follow guidelines. I still got to follow certain things. However... There's not a lot of restrictions on what I can and can't do. There's not a lot of rules set forth for me to do my appraisal as opposed to a lender appraisal. So mm -hmm. you have to remember that a private appraisal that I'm doing for, for you, you can use it and you you're, it's your property. But when it comes to me doing it for the lender, it's the lender's property. <laughs> sure, it's the, sure. the lender. It's in their name. It's their property Nothing you could do about it. Now, sure. you know, you get a copy of it, you know, if you're purchasing a home. Um, obviously, if you're refinancing, you're going to get it. But mm -hmm. if you're purchasing a home, typically the borrower gets it. Are they supposed to be sharing it with everybody? <laughs> typically not. <laughs> but you're entitled to do so. Sure, sure. So that's where we get into more in-depth stuff. But just remember, you know, the lender, they own that appraisal when we're doing it for a lender. When I'm doing it for you privately – it's yours yeah. and, and, and you can do what you want. And I think, I think the other aspect of this that needs to be said is that when, when it comes to lending appraisals, I can't talk to you. Right. Okay. Yeah. You're not, there's a thing called appraiser independence mm -hmm. and you, it's a, it's, it's a major law out there in Dodd-Frank. Mm -hmm. So I can't talk to you about any kind of what we call assignment results. Meaning mm -hmm. I can't talk to you about, you know, the adjustments I made or how I determined that value of that property. I can talk to you about certain other, certain things like, you know, factual data, stuff mm -hmm. that, 
you know, deals with the home or things we can see, smell, taste, whatever. Yeah. I could talk to you about things like that. Or if you have comps you want to send me. I mean, there's again, it's another misnomer that the appraiser can't talk to the to the agent that's involved. Yes, we can. <laughs> we just can't be influenced. Right. And we can't talk to you about these what we call assignment results. Now, mm -hmm. on a private appraisal, I could talk to you about anything, <laughs> which is why I enjoy doing that. Yeah, That's where yeah. I've taken my business over the last five years. I do not do a lot of lender appraisals anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and it's because of the strict rules, regulations, and guidelines. Whereas the private appraisals, I get to talk to everybody, educate people, and, and really give them an idea of what I did, how I did it, why I did it. Mm -hmm. That's... That to me is, is more exciting yeah. than dealing with lenders and just having to tell you, hey, look, I'm sorry, I can't answer that question. You have to send it to the lender, sure. which then goes to the AMC, which then goes or goes to the AMC, then to the lender, then back to the AMC, then back to me. It's just such a process. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I've heard you say this before in multiple rooms and clubhouse and everywhere else that, you know, really us as agents and as realtors, we're, we're placing um, what we estimate as a, as a price, not a value, Correct. which is really what we're holding you to <laughs> well, and, <laughs> a little and, bit more. It is a one, you know, they're just like an agent, just like an appraiser, just like anyone, you know, your neighbor thinks your house is worth a price, right? Everyone has their opinion, but, and I, I think this is one of the most common threads that I've seen based on our, in our conversations is that if you're a student of the market, if you're constantly watching what's happening in the market, you see how many offers are getting written, you see how quickly that house gets sold, how many days on market, like all of that does actually influence the decision that, or the price that uh, an agent might put on it, just like an appraiser, right? Correct. You're looking at comps, and I've gotta believe, and correct me if I'm wrong in this assumption, but over the last couple of years here, especially as the inventory started to dwindle, you had to reach further. Either you had to reach further back in time or you had to reach a new geography to figure out what does a house like this actually go for? What can we predict the price or value might be, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I prefer to go back in time. Sure. Because there's a thing called, uh, uh, we, what we put in our reports called the market condition adjustment. Mm -hmm. That I can obtain almost factually by looking at the market trends and mm -hmm. looking at different charts and graphs and actually analyzing all the info that an appraiser is capable of doing. You know, right. I'm able to gather things with, within the programs I use and go more in depth and actually analyze those trends. And I can apply that trend. So just for an example, if I'm working on a home right now and I have no comps in the, in the immediate area that I can use in the last three to six months, but I have stuff that's eight, 12 months in that subdivision, well, I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to look at the market trends and say, okay, what happened between 12 months ago and now? And mm -hmm. look and see. And now maybe that determines, come, comes out to be 3% per month. Or, or let's just say less right now. Let's say yeah. it comes out to 1% per month that the market's increased. Well, I could take and add 12% to that comp that sold 12 months ago mm -hmm. to it to bring it up to what it would be equal today. All things considered equal. Sure, sure. You know, whereas going out into other geographical areas – that can kind of get a little sketchy because now you're dealing with, you know, maybe superior subdivisions or subdivisions mm -hmm. that command a higher price sure. or command certain, certain things or in a different school district or, mm -hmm. or, you know, are located just in a, in a different area or have more amenities. Mm -hmm. You know, those are factors that really are tough to judge. Yeah. You know, an appraiser's job is to actually report the facts, report the data, not make things up. Right. So if I can't make up, a, if I can't figure out an adjustment based upon facts, I'm not going to make an adjustment to right, it. Right. So yeah, I agree with you. You know, there, there are different ways about going things. You brought up a good point there when you first started. 
appraiser's value, mm-hmm. agent's price. <laughs> I will say it again. <laughs> appraiser's value, agent's price. Right. And that's that's just known. Right. You know, I, my license is to value a home based upon the facts and features out there. And agent's job is to actually price it. They call it a broker's price opinion, not a broker's value opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> they call it an appraiser's value, right. opinion of value. Right. So you're looking to price that house as best you possibly can. Or if you're a buyer's agent, you're looking to try and get the best deal for them. You're negotiating things. You're the person that's negotiating for your clients. I don't do that. I have to remain unbiased in what I'm doing, not take sides and do my job for the bank, for the lender, for even for the homeowner. I Mm -hmm. stay unbiased when I'm doing private appraisals. I am not trying to get you know, the highest value for a, You don't for get somebody. paid more based on the higher appraiser. It doesn't matter what I do I, or how much work I do. Right. I get paid my flat fee for right, as right. much work as I have to do. So yeah. no, it's interesting. Well, and I think that's a common, again, misconception that, you know, again, I, I tend to think that we all, and I'm guilty of this as a homeowner myself, that I think my home is worth more than I probably could get in the market. But in recent years, again, I think a lot of people, agents and homeowners and neighbors of other homeowners have been surprised by some of the home values and prices that we've seen in some of the transactions. Um, but like I said earlier, I feel like it's a, it's really a result of a crazy market, right? Our average when we got into the pandemic was like 275, 300, 325 is kind of what we saw when the pandemic first started. Now we're like $500,000. That's the average across 11 counties, which is a massive area. And you're taking townhomes, condos, like all of that into account, right? So to see the values almost double, not quite, but almost 42% in three or four (laughs) years here is pretty crazy. So I got to believe that you valuing property and putting a a true value on, you know, what someone will pay for it. There is no crystal ball. There's no put it on the market for this and it will sell immediately because there's one person that will pay or a hundred people that will pay that price. You are literally just trying to figure out the market before it even happens effectively. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no way to really forecast. <laughs> you know, everybody always says, oh, appraisers look in the past. Yeah, right. we look in the past. We're looking at comps that have sold because that's what somebody paid for the property. Right. You know, pending, pending sales can add support. Mm. Listings, I mean, I just can't trust active <laughs> listings. Anybody can list their house for of whatever course. they want. Of course, yeah. Doesn't mean it's going to sell for that. Right, right, right. You know, <laughs> when the pandemic happened, you like, as you said, values were, and especially in the Atlanta metro area, they were, they were steadily increasing. I mean, we had the crash, took a while for things to get back together. And then, you know, it started to go up and things were going up steadily. And we were seeing very nice increases in the market. Then the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but I blame the government and <laughs> other people on this because I call it, a, we, as appraisers, we call it undue influenced market. Mm-hmm. That market in t- end of 2020 going into 2021 was so crazy. And it was due to the fact that interest rates were brought all the way down. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that you had the pandemic, then you add in the factor that companies out there were saying, hey, you can just go work remotely. Mm-hmm. Don't care anymore. We're yeah. not, we don't need our ability. You don't need to come into work. So go wherever you want. So people all over the place, we saw it in California. Mm-hmm. We saw it in the Northeast where people just sold their homes and obviously sold them for a lot <laughs> up there and then came down South, bought themselves a house that was probably two times the size of the one they had up in the Northeast <laughs> or out in California. And half price. <laughs> yeah. And, and they bought it for half the price. <laughs> 
but they were able to have extra money in their pocket. Mm -hmm. And that's where we saw these major counter offers coming and saying, I'll, I'll just pay 50 grand over your list price because I just want the home. Right. You know, so they're, when they were paying with their own money, anybody, you know, you're free to pay whatever you want yeah, with your exactly. own money. But when you're going through a bank or lender, you, you know, they want to know how much it's really worth. Mm -hmm. So even if you got 20 offers on that property, you know, that doesn't really mean that it's worth whatever the highest offer was. Right, you know, right. you kind of got to be realistic and look and say, well, we listed it for 500. We had most of our offers in the 520s to low the 530s, but then somebody came in and bought it for 575. Well, <laughs> it's kind of an outlier in yeah, my opinion, you exactly, know, exactly. you know, so, you know, yeah, that market was crazy and, and appraising it was even <laughs> nuttier. Just because close your eyes and throw the dart, right? <laughs> there was so much research and analysis. I mean, yeah. normally what would take me maybe, you know, on a cookie cutter home, just mm -hmm. a cookie cutter home in a subdivision would take me maybe five, six hours to do as a, on, a, you know, my back research and, and do my report was now taking me maybe two, three days to do because there was so much I had to look at, yeah. Yeah. you know, so much information, so many market factors yeah. and, and get those outliers out, call the agents to find out, Hey, how many offers do you have? Well, 65. Oh, great. Mm. Okay, how do we decipher this? Yeah. So there was a, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah, it's true. Well, and and I think for a lot to give a lot of the consumers especially some peace about this. I think that when you saw a house that was in your neighborhood that was maybe 50, 100, 200, 300,000 dollars over most normal homes in your neighborhood, that was exactly what you just laid out. Like there's always one or two in the last 3 years that we've seen that they were moving from a higher price point. They saw the deal that they could get here and they bought into it. Um, and even though we had a ton of major corporations, Google, you know, being one of them here in Atlanta that, you know, a lot of people moved from Silicon Valley. And I don't know if you guys have been to Silicon Valley recently, but like a million dollars is like a Cracker Jack yeah. box compared to the 3,500 square foot home you get here. And like, you know, Morningside, say, as an example. But to your point, there was always, it seemed like for a little while there, there was always someone willing to pay a little bit more. And to me, the the balance and being an agent and a realtor on this side is that just because one or two homes in your neighborhood of three or 400 homes sold way above where everyone else was, doesn't mean that's necessarily the market now, right? Obviously, it's going to help your values. Obviously, it's going to draw some stuff up. But we can't rely on that for day in, day out. And especially when interest rates went up last year, mm -hmm. the second half of the year, you know, in the sixes and sevens, almost the eights, it was like, well, everyone started freaking out. And it was all contextual because we had two and three and four percent interest rates. But to that point, when you're pricing a property in a neighborhood where you've seen some of these crazy sales, and obviously you as the appraiser, being on the appraisal side, there's not much difference in terms of the data and information that we're all looking at, right? Like there's a there's a wide variety of product in Atlanta, Georgia, um, especially, you know, in some of these communities that are having a lot of one-for-one -one infill and stuff where you have a 1,300 square foot tiny ranch, two bedroom next to a 7,000 square foot or 10,000 square foot house now. But talk to us a little bit about the process. Um, how, when you, and not down into the nitty gritty, but starting through like a five hour appraisal as an example, where do you start? Where do you finish? What are you looking for? What things do you kind of draw out that, um, you know, kind of pique your attention? Because I think it would be interesting. I mean, you know my perspective on this from the realtor mm -hmm. side of things and what I'm looking at, condition and paint and HVAC dates and all that type stuff. But you as an appraiser, what what sticks out to you? What If a consumer's listening to this, what can they predict is going to come when you visit them for a pre-market inspection? Well, yeah, it starts with me coming out to the house, obviously. Mm -hmm. I want to see your house. Yep. If I don't come see your house, I don't know what it is. <laughs> and... 
I don't trust tax records data, mm. and I'll get into that in a minute because yeah, yeah. I, I just don't trust it because a lot sure. of it's wrong. Sure. So I'm going to come out to your house, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go out the outside of the house. I'm going to measure the house, uh, make sure I have the proper what we call gross living area square footage of your house. Uh, then I'm, I'm going to come inside your house and I'm going to go room to room to room. I'm going to take some pictures. I'm going to take some notes. I want to see the quality of your finishes. I want to see your updates. I want to see your deferred maintenance that you have uh, or any issues. I want to see if there's any space inside that's not, you know, connected to the second floor. Cause that would not be part of your gross living area. I want to see your basements. If you have a basement, I want to see it. I want to see everything with my own eyes and gather my own data because that's the starting point. Yeah. Once I have that information in hand, then that's when I go and sit back behind the computer and start looking at things. The first thing I do is once I get that data is once I get it onto my sheets and on my computer, now I'm going to start looking at the, the comps, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start looking at the market area. And I'm going to start with your immediate neighborhood, yeah. okay? Your immediate neighborhood is going to tell you a story, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and you, you can be in an area where you have your home and then go two blocks over and can be completely different. Yeah. You know, so I'm going to look in your area, in your market area first, meaning your, your subdivision and your, and your micro area. And then if I need to, I'll expand outwards. But I really want to try and stay within your same school districts. I want to stay in your same market area. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to really kind of analyze what is sold there. And my process is I start from the day I see your house and go back three months, mm -hmm. okay, and see what is sold out there. Yeah. Then I'm going to go from three months to six months and then six months to 12 months. And I'm going to start compiling my, my data and start looking at the comps. I don't use price or anything. I'm going to pull up the whole area and mm -hmm. kind of see what I'm looking at because I want to compare it to the right, the right properties. I want sure. to use gross living area, square footage, condition, size, location, things of that nature. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Once I gather that data, now I'm going to start plugging that data into various different softwares I use and then start bringing in those comps into that are the most similar into my report and then I'd make my adjustments for differences. And when I make adjustments, I'm trying to prove that this actually was an adjustment. So yeah. just for, for instance, if you live on a busy, a major busy road, mm -hmm. okay, you live on Roswell Road, <laughs> okay, four lane traffic, that's where your house is. Obviously, you know, if you go into a subdivision or a side street and I find the same exact house, I'm going to compare and contrast different things. And I might see that there might be a difference of 3% mm -hmm. that a home on a busier road yeah. is going to sell for 3% less than a home on a side street. So sure. I can justify making that adjustment. So I'm compiling this data. I'm looking at it all. I'm trying to analyze the same conditions, the same quality, the same everything I possibly can, because that's what a true comparable is going to be. It's not mm -hmm. just anything that's out there. <laughs> right. Okay, it's not just any home that's on your street. You're right. not going to compare a ranch home, a, a 2,000 square foot ranch home, to a 3,000 square foot two story home just because mm -hmm. it's on your same street. Right. Right. You know, it's 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 kind of there's differences yeah, there. Yeah, 100. You know, so. That's where a lot of it goes through, and I'm analyzing data. I'm constantly analyzing it. I'm constantly looking at it, and then at the very end, that's when I get my what I call adjusted range of – it's called adjusted range of sale price because mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm using sale prices. So if I'm using sales that are, say, five hundred to 600000 that I found – and I make adjustments for differences, now my range might come to 550 to 565. Mm -hmm. Well, and then I'm gonna take that range and I'm gonna analyze that range and analyze those comps and go, well, it's more similar to the ones on the higher end. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm gonna determine that my professional opinion of value is based upon all this information 
these comps have the most strength. Here's what I believe that your home is to be worth in the marketplace. Yeah. Now it could be plus or minus. I mean, we're not we're not brain surgeons here. We're not we're not scientists <laughs> right. that can actually right, predict right. it. Yeah. Somebody might want to pay a little bit more. Somebody might pay yeah. a little bit less. As far as features that you really should pay attention to, condition of your home. Mm-hmm. You, that's huge. Obviously, the better condition is going to probably sell for more. A lot of people put a lot of money into landscaping. I can't really appraise landscaping. Mm. Plants die, trees dies. You know, hardscapes you can. Mm-hmm. You can kind of find data on that. But really, condition of your home, the size of your home, if you have a basement that's finished or unfinished, if it's unfinished, you, if you finish it, you know, again, it depends on the quality of your finishes. It could add, it will add more value mm-hmm. to your home. Um, I know that a lot of people will say, I put on a new roof, I put in new water heater, I put in new, new fixtures. I tend to look at those, and I think most appraisers do, as more maintenance items. Mm-hmm. Those are more things that you have to do to maintain your home over time. Yeah, very few people living in houses without roofs at this point. Well, again, I think the perfect <laughs> example is if you have three homes in a row, yeah. and you all have put roofs on at the same time, I'm pretty sure you all didn't pay the same exact price for the roof. That's right. That's you know, right. So it's kind of ma- you have to do it. But yeah. what it does is, is a newer roof will entice a buyer to go, sure. hmm, I'll, I'll pay a little more for yeah, this house because I don't, yeah. I don't have to worry about a yeah, roof as opposed to the house down the road. Yeah. Um, so those are the, I mean, really the things that we're looking for on a, on a, on a home when we're coming out to appraise it. Those are the big ticket items: condition, yeah. quality, location. Um, that that's what you really need to pay attention to. Yeah, this is going to be a curveball, but you don't look at current listings. No, I look at them. I didn't say it, but I but I, but I won't. I won't. Pretty much won't put them in my report. Gotcha. I would rather put pendings in I because see. at least there I know that they're under contract for something, and it could be plus or minus. Yeah. Whereas an active listing, again, I don't know. And when I when I mean look at them, I'm analyzing them to see how many days on the market they are. Yeah, yeah. If they're on the market for a long time, mm-hmm. I know that house is actually probably going to be is probably overpriced mm-hmm. or there's something wrong with it. Yeah. I'm looking to see if they drop the, the price down. You know, every comparable sale and every pending or everything I'm looking at, I am analyzing the listing history and I'm analyzing the sales history. Mm-hmm. I have to. I really just wanted to get to the point where I could say consumers stop looking at what else is in your neighborhood for sale and comparing your house to that and saying, well, they're on the market for that. Well, yeah, but if they've been on the market for that's 120 true. days, no, then that's true. You need to it's know, fact, right? you need to know that. And, yeah. you know, and I, and I think because of the way the system works, it's hard for people and consumers to go and look at what's sold in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's hard them for, to find that data and, yeah. and they're going to sites like Zillow, Redfin, and other sites like that. Um, but a lot of those sites have really bad information. You know, mm-hmm. I said it earlier, I don't trust tax records yeah. because there's a lot of bad information mm-hmm. out there and, and I see it and I, and I, I just want to bring this up if yeah, I yeah. can. I do see a lot of bad information being put in the MLSs. You yeah. know, where, where they're combining basement square footage with the actual above grade square footage, which now they're taking both of those numbers, combining them and comparing them to a home that's actually that size. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, it doesn't help. Yeah. You know, the better the information in the MLS, the better it is for consumers, the better it is for other agents, and the better it is for us appraisers because mm-hmm. it's easier, easier for us to decipher. So it's hard for them to find those closed sales. Um, but, you know, if they could look online, if they could find them, great. Just don't be... So, you know, keen on saying, wow, look at this. This is accurate data. Yeah. It may not be. <laughs> well, and to your point, though, a lot of even a lot of consumers don't know that just because a home sold, you see on Zillow that it sold for this price, you don't know what other uh, things may have been part of the deal that got fixed, replaced. I mean, you see dumpsters show up and a bunch of stuff get unloaded or a new roof go on or closing costs towards their loan. I mean, you know, no one but the buyer's agent and the listing agent truly know 
every intricacy in the buyer and the seller, of course, every single intricacy of that deal. So I think that's a, that's a good point and worth mentioning. Well, that's why, I, that's why I always try to call every agent I can or interview every agent I possibly can when yeah. I'm doing an appraisal because I want to know there's two things that an appraiser cannot appraise. Intentions and emotions. <laughs> I cannot appraise the intentions right. of a buyer or seller, and yeah. I cannot appraise the emotions. If you're emotionally involved and you want to pay more for that house, that's on you. <laughs> you know, or what is your what is your intention, yeah. or what is you know? Do you have a reason that you need to get into this house right now, mm -hmm. so you're going to willing to pay more, or do you or do you have a circumstance where you have to sell this house for a lot less than what it's actually worth? Mm -hmm. That's what I want to know, and, I, and the only way I'm going to know that is by interviewing the agent that was involved mm -hmm. with that sale to say. Could because there's been many times where I've looked at a sale and I go, hmm, this doesn't seem right. And I call them up and they go, oh, yeah, by the way, well, they had to move out of, the, out of state pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, there was something wrong or something. So they had to sell their house. They were a motivated seller. They had to get out of here. Well, then I look at that and go, well, yeah, it's not really a market sale then. <laughs> or they tell me, oh, yeah, well, you know, this guy just came in and offers us, you know, a boatload of cash. And here, here it is. Here's what mm -hmm. we sold it for. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Which in the last couple of years has probably actually been a big component of that because of relocations and job changes and just work-life changes in general. I mean, a lot of people moved that probably would have never moved if this whole thing had never occurred. But I, I think that's a great point and definitely worth mentioning because there were a lot of emotional sales that took place. Oh, yeah. There were a lot of uh, intentional sales that took place and unintentional too that, you know, mom and dad are in assisted living now or have passed and, you know, kids have the house now and have to do something with it. Um, I think that that's been a lot of what we've seen probably more recently here than just – Joe and Bobby moving from one house to another. <laughs> I've got a lot of of uh, what we you know estates or estate you know appraisals to do where the family members are all fighting because they don't know what it's worth, and then one person's telling one thing, one's telling another. So I have to come in and give them their un unrealistic expectation <laughs> therapy, that as I call it, and uh, help them out with it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. You've seen a lot of that. Yeah, I imagine. Well, Scap, in closing, uh, and by the way, his name is Mark Scapinitz. We call him Scap. Scap the appraiser on all the platforms and everything. But if someone um, is looking for more information, whether it's a book, a podcast, um, I mean, obviously you mentioned yours earlier, but like if they want to kind of continue the learning process of that side of the business, even if they're thinking about getting, you know, into the appraisal side of things, what's the best next step for them to take? I mean, obviously you can go to, uh, you know, the Georgia appraisal uh, website, Georgia Appraisal Commission. You can go on there and you can get a lot of information on how to become an appraiser. They have a lot of information on there about the laws and regulations that appraisers have to follow in Georgia. You can go to my website. I've got a lot of information on there. It's uh, www.atlantapropertyappraiser.com. Uh, you can go to the Appraisal Institute website. They're one of the biggest organizations out there that, uh, and they provide a lot of information on appraising and a lot of frequently asked questions. I mean, there's, there's a lot of places you can go those would probably be the main ones, especially here in Georgia, that I would go to to actually start looking at things. Books, <clears throat> there's a lot of them out there. I, I really can't name anything off the top of my head. Podcasts, um, there's there's some good ones out there. Uh, a good friend of mine, actually, Blaine Fayen, runs one called the um, – God, I just skipped my head. Uh, oh, the uh, the Real Value Podcast. That's what it is. Uh <laughs> You know, he runs one about appraising. So, I mean, there's lots of them out there. Yeah. But if I was to start, I'd say the Appraisal Institute site to gather information. Uh, you can you can go to HUD. They have a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of information out there about appraising. Um, like I said, the Georgia Commission, uh, Real Estate Appraisal Commission. There's just just 
many resources out there. Just don't Google it. You're going to get a lot. Of, go to those sites to get the actual information. Don't just Google and, and see what you got. Unless you're going to Google my site. <laughs> well played, well played. Well, thank you all for joining us. And thank you, Mark, today for joining us as well. Really valuable information. And again, I think it's interesting to see people that we can work with every single day have to have some proximity and knowledge of you know what they do on a daily basis that help us achieve our goals and and uh, our clients achieve their goals as well. So I just want to say one more thing. Sure. Yes. Appraisers and agents can work together. <laughs> they should work together while we're both different. We both are trying to accomplish kind of the same goals at the end of the day. You shouldn't be afraid of an appraiser. Appraisers shouldn't be afraid of agents. Um, always talk to them. Yeah. There's lots of valuable information. I've learned so much from you and other agents out there that I had no clue about. And I'm pretty sure I've added a lot of value to agents out there as well. So, I mean, I think we should all kind of come together and stop the agent versus appraiser <laughs> thing, you know? So it, it's really, it really would be worthwhile just to, yeah. to pick each other's brains. For sure. For sure. Now, the more we talk, the better we get. That's yep. for sure. I agree. That's for sure. Well, thank you all for listening and watching today. We really appreciate it. Do us a favor, though. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on the podcast here. We'd love to hear uh, from you in a review as well. What's been your favorite episode or what's been the most uh, learning experience that you've gotten from this? Who's been the most entertaining guest we've had? I mean, we'd love to hear from you just in general. Um, and as always, um, if you ever want to, um, you know, have a special guest on the podcast, or if you know someone here in the Atlanta area that we should be talking to, please reach out anytime and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. Please subscribe. And for more information on how to get engaged, check us out at atlantarealtors.com. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode.